Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. So we're starting a new series today called We Are Overflow. Say that with me. Say, We Are Overflow. And so when we talk about our church, or every time you say the name of our church, you're not just, you're, you're not, you're not labeling a thing. Come on. You're saying, this is who we are. This is what we do. We overflow. How many know that you overflow no matter what you do? When, when somebody comes at you and you have a reaction, how many know that's an overflow? If it's a negative reaction, it's because you got negative stuff in there. But if it's a positive reaction, it's because you got positive in there. You know, how many know that you can only love as much as much as you have love inside of you. So everybody's saying, well, you need to be more loving. You need to be more loving. Well, the only way you're going to get more loving is to have more love up inside of you. And I got a whole lot of love in me. I mean, you got a lot of love in you. And so some people just angry. <laughs> you're just like, relax, man. Well, it, it, how many know that we that we res, that we are responders to our environment? So don't don't blame the environment or the culture for your attitude and for your behavior. You actually have the ability to change your culture and to change. So when we say we are overflow, we're basically stating the obvious, right? Are you with me? So we're going to take several weeks. We're going to be talking a little bit about our vision. We're going to be talking a little bit about our identity as a church. What has God called us to? You know, God put this, this idea in our heart about five years ago. I was visiting the Metroplex several times. Most of you know the story. Uh, over the fall of 2012, uh, 2011, and um, is that right? Yeah, 2011. And I... Uh, I visited the Metroplex about three times that fall, and every time that I visited the Metroplex, God just kept singing to me. God kept kept yelling at me, you need to be here. This is where I want you. This is where your assignment is, and I continually ignored it, and I kind of uh, just said, okay, I don't know what that is. We just bought a house, we, all these kind of things. It wasn't convenient for me to obey the Lord, and so I just kind of you know, put it on the back burner, but God kept yelling and God kept saying, you need to do this. You need to do this. And so finally I told Leslie after months of wrestling with the Lord and, uh, and it all happened in a moment. I walked out of a, out of a, a room that I was staying on in on the campus of Christ for the nation's Institute where I was speaking. And I walked out of this room and God just spoke to me. He says, don't you want to live here? And I was like, not, not a CFN officer. I was like, uh, he was meaning the area, and uh, I was like, "Not really." What is that? And so, um, let me let me tell you that Overflow Church is not Josh Brown's idea. It's not Leslie Brown's idea. It's not our staff's idea. It's actually God's idea. He just gave it to us, and He said, "Here you go. Here's the idea I have. Here's the dream that I have for this city, and I want you to be in on it." And that's the way that God spoke. So it wasn't our idea. But it was all about this moment. And, uh, you know, church is not man's idea. You know, people are like, well, I don't like, I don't, I'm not involved in church because I don't like organized religion. What do you like, disorganized religion? Uh, is that what you want? Um, I, I'm not a part of a church because of that. How many know that 
like it or lump it or hate it or whatever, church is God's idea. It's not man's idea. It was God's idea. We're going to talk about that idea. What does it mean when we say we are the church? What does that mean? It doesn't mean the building that we come to. Now, we, we are Overflow Church, but that, how many know that's Overflow Little C Church? Overflow Church. We're just a little C as a part of this big thing called the Body of Christ on the Earth, the capital C Church, the church. So when we talk about the church, we're not talking about Overflow Church, although we are part of that. We're talking about God's presence on the earth through his people. That's what we're talking about. So look at your neighbor and say, we are the church. You can look at your other one and say that too. We are the church. So listen, the world, oh, here we go. The world is difficult. The world is dark. The world is tenacious. The world is frustrated. The world is hostile. But if anybody's going to change it, it's up to us, the church. We're the only ones that have access to get heaven on earth. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning because we are the church. So overflow is just an expression, a little C of the big C church. And the church was born out of a moment. And I would just say that for those of you that are here, that you're part of this little C church, that you've been here for a while and you've kind of been dating us and you've kind of been coming around and you're like, yeah, I kind of like overflow. I think this is my church home. Then, then what we encourage people to do is put a ring on it. You know, Pastor Imlin, he's not in here because he's working with kids today, but Pastor Imlin found this lady, and they kind of started dating. Charlotte, she in here? And they're working together. Come on, how's that? And so he liked it, and he was like, I'm going to put a ring on it. And so he did. And so now they're going to get married here pretty soon. Why? Because they're saying, I want to be committed to you. Let's do this together. And so here at Overflow, we have a little track. It's a three-week track. We do it for about 30 minutes after service on the first, second, and the third Sunday of most months. And we're going to be starting that back up today. And so you just, if you miss a week, then you catch that week the next time. It's just a three-week track. And so it's your way of, of being a part of Overflow and saying, hey, I, I don't want to just attend Overflow. I actually want to put a ring on it. I want to show that, hey, I'm devoted to this thing, and this thing is devoted to me. Now, if you just come and you're a tender, that's cool. We can date. We can date until Jesus comes back, but we would rather you put a ring on it. Come on. Y'all all right? So the church, the, the capital C church, was born in, in a moment. And I want to talk about that moment. Matthew chapter 16. Now, some of you have heard me preach on this before, and that's okay because it's important. It's important. Listen, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, well, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. And others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? I know what everybody else thinks. You did really good of informing me what all the other people think about Jesus. We know the reputation of Jesus, but who do you say that I am? The greatest moment in human history for the church started with this question. Who do you say that I am? How many know that your identity in God is found in answering that question? Who do you say he is? 
Who do you say he is? Are you sick? Do you say he's the healer? Are you in bondage? Do you say he's the liberator? Are you lost? Do you believe that he's the savior? Are you confused? Do you believe that he is peace? Who do you say he is? So Simon Peter spoke up like always. And he said, you are the Messiah. You're the one that we've been waiting for for thousands of years. The son of the living God. And so Jesus looks at him at this response and says this, and you are Peter. Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Everybody say my church. Now, how many know the overflow is not my church? Hmm? It's his church. Now, it's our church. It's where we come together. That's what people are like. Oh, I like your church. It's like, it's not my church. It's God's church. And I don't get all super spiritual with people because that would be annoying. But when you, who are family, you come to me like, oh, man, I love your church. You mean our church. Like, we'll, we'll be quick to correct people at that. So don't get offended. We just want you to understand that this is not about a single person or a personality or even a staff. It's about us. We are the church. But it's his church. We are his So he says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. How many know there's a lot of of gates of hell trying to do a lot of overcoming on the earth today? But he says, the gates of hell will not overcome the church. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Everybody say, we are the church. This is who you are. You're the church. See, it's his church. It's his church. He's he's the one that's responsible. See, a lot of people think that they're they're responsible for the, the church, and we are to a certain degree, but they start saying, well, the church. Now, if you came to my wife and you said, well, your wife... I'd be like, you stop it. Because there's no room for you criticizing my wife. Right? And I believe that's exactly the way the Lord feels whenever we talk about the body of Christ. When we say, oh, the church this, the church that. First of all, take some ownership of what you're saying. If you're a believer, don't talk about the church like it's something that you're not a part of. And why don't you shut up and start praying up and start believing God and show up and do something rather than complaining and quit being a part of the problem and be part of the solution. So it's his church. So it's important to understand that when we talk about the church, it's his. It's not yours. It's not your idea. It's not my idea. It's God's. And we, we, get, to, we get to man it. We get to function in it. We get to live in it. It's his world and we're living in it. That's the kingdom. But the cool thing about it is he builds it with people. He builds it with people. And so that's, that would be number two there is he uses people. Now, you know, sometimes I, 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 when I think about this, I'm like, really, Lord? Like, why wouldn't you use angels? Right? I mean, couldn't he just use angels to build his church? I mean, doesn't that make more sense? I mean, you know, heavenly beings that, you know, don't look like us, they don't have... 
that don't gossip all the time, that don't, you know, do stupid things all the time, who, who make foolish decisions. I mean, sometimes I just want to go to God and be like, are you sure? Are you sure that you want to build your presence on the earth through people? I mean, really? I mean, the church is full of hypocrites. They're intolerant. They're judgmental. They're racist. They're money hungry. They're imperfect. They're bigoted. They're weak. But what I've found is my God likes to take things that are way out of the box and manifest himself in them and say, you know what? They are perfect. They are imperfect. They are unclean. They are judgmental. They are hypocritical. But guess what? It's not about them because it's my church and they're my people. The word church, you know, this is the thing. Think about this. God could use a perfect people or he could use an imperfect people that have to rely on this thing called grace. I mean, could you imagine what the, if if the standard was really perfection for the church, for us to be used of God, can you imagine the controlling the frustrating environment that would be? You guys know how it is. Our staff knows what it's like to deal with a perfectionist. Right? And so, you could you imagine like us all having to be perfect in order for God to use us? Instead, we can say, I'm screwed up. I'm jacked up. I need the grace of God. And then it becomes about him and not about me. However, he uses people. See that word church. The word that we use church is, a, is an old Greek word called ekklesia. And that means the called out ones. Other words, there's a bunch of people on the earth and God goes, I want this one. I want this one. And I want this one. This is what happened. When you responded to Jesus, it's because he looked on the earth and he said, I want you. And he pulled you out. Now, he left you on the planet, but he pulled your heart out of the world. And he said, now you belong to me. This one's mine. This one's mine. This is mine. Now, I'm going to leave them so they can be used of me, so they can be my representative on the earth. But I'm, I, I, I select them. I pulled them out. I picked them out. So that's the reason why you're part of the church is because God selected you. So the ecclesia are the called out ones. He said, this one, this one. God, it called you out. That blows me away sometimes because, I, I mean, there's like, billions of people on the planet and God called me out. There's billions of people on the planet and God called you out. And he didn't call you out like, you suck, <laughs> right? You're a thief, you're a ro-. He didn't call you out like that. He said, no, I want you. I want you. You're the one that I want. And then we respond to that. The church, that's what we are. We're people that just said yes to being called out. Now, it's interesting that God uses Peter, isn't it? I mean, if you know, if you've read the New Testament, if you read the Gospels, you know how mistake-prone Peter is. I mean, even after this moment, Peter did some stupid things. Peter, foolish, probably outside of Judas, probably the most foolish disciple, probably toxic for Jesus to be around. I mean, Peter was a toxic relationship, wasn't he? I mean, he denies Jesus before other people. But he's always like sticking his foot in his mouth. Peter. He uses Peter. 
Peter is a prophetic picture of what the church would look like. Not a perfect people, but a people that need Jesus. But people that need a lot of grace. People that need the fire and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is what Peter shows us. The name Peter is this word. Now, you guys understand his name was Simon. And Jesus said, you're Peter. Why did he change his name? Because the name Peter is a word that is Petros or Petros. And that means little or piece of a rock. It was a movable stone. It's kind of like you have like, you guys have seen rock formations. And usually around the rock formations, there's like smaller rocks around the rock formation. The smaller rock, and probably not the bolder one, but the little one, that's Petros. That's a movable rock, a rock that you can come up and pick up and move over here. How many know that Peter proved to be a movable rock? He was very movable, right? I mean, he even like denied Jesus three times. And we were like, we would never do that right? But the way that we respond to criticism, we're movable then. When our finances aren't all in looking pretty, when the bank account's empty, we're movable then. When someone says something that we disagree with, we're movable then, right? Come on. So Peter proved to be a movable rock. Again, a prophetic picture. But how many know that Jesus was speaking of a bigger rock here? He said, you are Petros, And upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. Now, he wasn't saying, I'm going to build my rock on Peter. He actually said that I'm going to build my rock on Petra, which is a different word for rock. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. But understand this, that Peter at this moment needed more. How many know that he needed more? I mean, he was a mess. So we see that that Peter actually gets this revelation that Jesus speaks to him. And in the book of Acts chapter 2, Peter responds to this revelation. He has this encounter, not just with Jesus, but in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we see a totally different guy in Acts chapter 2. Because, listen, revelation is always a byproduct of encounter. So Peter had the revelation of Jesus. Who do you say that I am? Jesus is like, people didn't reveal this to you. God revealed this to you. How how did he have that encounter? He encountered the Lord. So again, fast forward to Acts chapter 2, he encounters him again. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Peter stands up. Peter, listen, Peter denied Jesus before three different people. In the book of Acts, baptized the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2, Jesus stands up and preaches to thousands. Peter. Did I say Jesus? Peter. So revelation is always a byproduct of encounter. So Jesus uses Petros, a movable pebble, to establish Petra, a foundational stone. And that's what the word Petra is. Petra means a foundational stone. It's it's the stone that you would build a house on. It's not an immovable stone. Right? It is an immovable stone. It's not a movable stone. It's an immovable stone. It's a large foundational stone. So Jesus is saying, listen, I am building on this rock. Not Petra, but Petros. I believe that because, you know, scholars have gone back and forth. So was he talking about Peter? Was Peter the, the, the first pope? Was, you know, all this kind of debate going on. It's like Jesus uses two different words, but Peter was in on it. So he said, on this moment, I'm going to build my church on this moment. So Jesus was saying, upon this rock, what this moment is made of, 
a revelation of my reality, of who I am and what I am about to do. And then Peter writes this later on. Check this out, what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2. I mean, here's a guy denies Jesus, and now he's writing a book of the Bible. I mean, that takes some revelation. Are you with me? 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. He says, you are coming to Christ, who is a living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you, Jesus is the cornerstone. And then he says this, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Living stones. Look at your neighbor and say living stone. Now that's weird. Have you ever seen a rock that was alive? Right? No. (laughs) The rock. I'm not not talking about the rock. I'm talking about like a a stone. Have you ever seen a stone? Nathan. I've never never seen a stone that was like grow legs and get up and move around. But Peter says this, you are living stones. How many know that the church is not simply an organization? The church is an organism. Let me say that again. The church is not simply an organization. We have organization. Organization's good, right? You like organization, right? That's why you go to the restaurant. You don't go to restaurants that are disorganized. Come on, you don't go to grocery stores that are disorganized, right? We like things that are organized. Nothing wrong with organization, but the church isn't so much an organization as it is an organism. It is a living thing. That's why churches grow. So while we're growing because we're alive and living things grow. Y'all all right? So, he uses people. We are living stones. Verse 3. Or not verse 3. Part 3. <laughs> Number 3. He gives the church keys. He gives the church keys. Now, it's interesting that Jesus is talking to Peter. And he says, listen, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. How many know that sounds a little bit strange when you start talking about keys and you start talking about tying up things? Because we don't typically tie things up with keys, right? I'm like, here, let me tie that. I got my keys right here. I'll tie it right up. Let me bond it up. We don't do that. And so I'm not going to say the translators necessarily got it wrong. But many times we get this mindset that's like bonding and loosening. But what you've got to understand is with keys, what do we do? We lock and unlock. And so Jesus is saying, let me help you understand this a little bit. Jesus is saying this, I give you the keys of the kingdom. I'm establishing my church on you. You're going to be my church. He's like, here you go. Here are the keys. And whatever you lock will be locked. And whatever you unlock will be unlocked. Keys. What do you, when you have keys, it means that you have authority. Right? It means that you have power. So if you have keys to this building, you can get in when nobody else is here. If you don't have keys to the building, you can't get in. You can only get in if you have the keys. So Jesus tells Peter this, I give you the keys to the kingdom. How many of the kingdom is all that God has? All that God has is the kingdom. Guess what? As the church, we have the keys to all that God has. So we don't, it's not necessarily about us begging God and getting before God and going, oh, Lord, if I just had, if everything would just go, Jesus is going, I, I appreciate your prayers, but remember, you got the keys. So many of the things that we're praying for are simply things that we need to be walking through. 
because you already got the keys. We need to pray, but prayer is a place of intimacy. Prayer is a place of empowerment. Prayer is a place of confidence. Prayer is a place where we come before God and we say, God, I need more of you so I can unlock and lock up. And some of you need to be doing some locking in your life. You need to be locking away some of that shame in your life. You need to be locking away some of that discouragement in your life. You need to be locking away some of that unforgiveness in your life. And you need to unlock love. And you need to, some of you need to unlock healing in your life. Some of you need to unlock healing in somebody else's life. Because you got the keys. You can do it. So he didn't just put you in the kingdom. He didn't just say, you get to go to heaven when you die. Yes! That's so awesome. I mean, you're glad you get to go to heaven. You don't go to, you're not going to hell. Thank God. But he didn't just do that. He's like, you're going to heaven. Great. Here's the keys. Function with my authority. Everything that I have, you got the key for it. Sweet. And we spend 10 hours on our phone. I'm bored. Bored? You got the keys to everything. You got the keys to healing. You got the keys to financial breakthrough. Now, sometimes unlocking doors looks like hard work. Sometimes walking through doors means beating demons down. How many know that when God gave the children of Israel the city of Jericho, how many know that they had to go down and they had to throw the walls down and throw the enemy out? So sometimes it's work, but you still got the keys. See, he didn't, talking about football today, he didn't just say, come be a part of my team. He actually handed you the football. It's like if Jesus is the quarterback, you're the run, we are the running back. So we got the ball. We're the only ones that can score. Come on. You got to have the ball to score. And some of you just need to pick up the ball. You're fumbling the ball. And most of us, don't have enough air in the ball. What do I do with the ball? You run with it. You go. Well, I just don't know what to do. Just go. God will show you what to do. I understand this, that God is in charge of the product. God is in charge of the product of the power that the church has. God is in charge of the power, but we are in charge of the distribution. So we're not the ones that are really healing. We're just, we're, we're demonstrating healing. We're passing out healing. It's God's healing, but we distribute it. How I many know that when, when God wants to, wants to help poor people, he doesn't usually send a leprechaun to their door with a, with a bag of gold. He normally uses people like you and I that have a little bit more than they have to share with them. That's the way God provides. Because we got the keys. Y'all all right? So God's in charge of the product. We're in charge of the distribution. So if the world isn't getting any better, we can sit around and complain about it, kind of back off, kind of shut down from everything, distance yourself, or you can jump right in it. And you can say, here we are. It's time to be the church. You know, I believe right now in America, it's time to be the church. It's time that we stop posting so much on social media and we get out and we love on somebody. Time to quit reading blogs, come on, and start sharing burgers and having conversations with people. It's time we get 
with people and in there and serve with them and love on them and encourage them and bring life to them. I'm just trying to bring awareness. What good does that do? What good has it done? See, we have, what do we have the keys to? We have the keys to heaven's access. You know, there's this guy named Jacob. And this is our dream. Our dream is what Jacob saw. Our dream is what Peter was, what was revealed to Peter. We, we, have, we have the keys to this thing, this place, this reality called heaven. We have the keys. And so Jacob has this dream. He, he gra- grabs a rock. Interesting, he grabs a rock. And he puts the rock down, and he rests his head on the rock. The, the, I would say this. I, w- I would submit this to you. That the, the, the rock that Jacob dreamed upon is the same dream that God fulfilled through the church. Are you with me? So Peter dreamed on a rock. Jesus built on a rock. So it's time we move from dreamer to doer and build God's kingdom. Are you with me? Is that all right? Was that terrible? Okay. Don't just dream on the rock, build on the rock. And Jacob didn't have the tools. He didn't have the keys. He saw something that was coming thousands of years later. He dreamed about it. Peter did it. You and I are doing it. Genesis chapter 28, it says this, Then he dreamed, talking about Jacob, And behold, as he's sleeping on this rock, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. We call this Jacob's ladder. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. What was he seeing? He was seeing into heaven. He was seeing heaven's activity on the earth. Angels going up, angels going down. Angels going up, angels going down. And he saw the Lord sitting at the top of this ladder. And he's the one that's commissioning the angels. What are we talking about when we're talking about angels? We're talking about angels, yes. We're talking about heaven's activity. He was seeing the things from heaven go down on the earth, and the things from the earth go up to heaven. This is the connection that Jacob saw. This is the connection and the reality that Peter started walking in. Verse 16, it says, Then Jacob woke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. Well, I imagine. How many of you have ever, like, have you ever had a dream where you knew it was the Lord and you woke up and you're like, whoa, like it's, you're a little bit spooked? I mean, it's happened to me several times. Like I, I've had dreams before where I'll wake up and I can actually feel the presence of the Lord like hovering over me. And some of these moments have happened uh, before in my life. And, and the Lord always whispers, whispers a similar thing to me. He's like, get up and seek me. Almost every time that happens, it's like it's an invitation. So when you wake up in the middle of the night, especially if you're sensing the Lord, get up. Don't go back to sleep. What? Oh, nice. I will. I'll see it. So Jacob awoke from his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I didn't even know it. In other words, he was seeing something that was there, and he couldn't see it. Surely the Lord was here. I didn't even know it. And he was afraid. Again, when you wake up in the middle of the night, and you're like, the Lord has been watching me. Not just like, like he's always watching, but the Lord is like in my room right now and I can feel his presence. It's, a, it's kind of creepy. Let's just be real. It's like waking up and someone like looking at you like this. I mean, it'd be kind of creeped out. Even if it's, Leslie, babe, even if it was you and Miller or not, I wake up and you're just like staring at me, I'd probably be freaked out a little bit. And so I think that's why he was scared. I mean, wouldn't you be freaked out? 
Like you wake up and you sense the Lord and he's like, hey. And you're like, oh, there he is. He says this, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is, and this is what he says, this is the gate of heaven. He says, this is Bethel. And then he says this, this is the gate of heaven. What has he seen? He's seen a gate, an access point. What do you, how do you get gates open? With keys. How many know that there's a gate, there's a portal on the earth that we have the keys to? The key is not awareness. Come on. That word in the, in the Hebrew is shahar, and that means an opening of heaven, an opening that was split open. Now, I love that. It actually implies that there was something there, and it was tore open. Rend the heavens, Lord, and come down. So what Jacob sees is sees this tear. Come on. He sees this rip in the realm that he's in, and he experiences another realm. And he's like, whoa. Surely this is one, one of the words in the Hebrew that actually means portal. Everybody say portal. Now, I know that's kind of a weird word. You know, you, you probably don't want to go to someone that doesn't know anything about spiritual things and be like, you should come to Overflow Church. There's a portal of the Lord there. That'd probably be a good way for them not to want to come. Um, you know, some of you just need to clean up your language a little bit, know who you're talking to. <laughs> oh, portals there. Oh, great. Make sure, mark that one off my list of churches to visit. So what are you talking about portals? Because I know it's kind of a weird word, portal. So I have up here with me, this guy's name is Hothead. What up, Hothead? He's a, I think he's up there on that picture. Yeah, right there. We got the fire, fire of heaven on him. And so, tongues of fire. His name's Hothead. Right? How many of y'all are Hotheads? Yeah. But how many of y'all are Hotheads of the Holy Ghost? Come on. And so, all right. So, Judah used to really be in this game called Skylanders. Okay, this is a this is a Skylander. And so there's like millions of them. Parents don't get into this. It's a money pit. If your kids say I want a Skylander, just one Skylander, you, the answer is no. Or thousands of dollars later you will have a room full of Skylanders that your child no longer plays with. So in order to play with you can get the cool little action figure. And it's cool. You know, hey, it's cool, man. Look at it. He's a cool-looking little statue, and I put them there, and I can, you know, play with them. But the point of a Skylander is that Skylanders are a part of a video game that you put in your Xbox or your PlayStation, and when you buy that game, it comes with this little thing here called a portal. That's a portal. Everybody say portal. That's a gate. It's a gate for Hothead to get into the video game. So he says, so what you do is you buy the portal, and the, the thing is, if you can buy the portal in the game, they know that you'll spend thousands of dollars on the characters, because the only way that you can get the character in the game is to actually go to Target and buy the character. Genius. Gosh, I wish I would have had that idea. 
So what happens is when you take, when you go and you buy this guy, when you get him, if you want to get him in the game, you have to set him on the portal, see? And when you put him in on the portal, he shows up in the game. Isn't that that's awesome is what it is. Look at it. And so now what you have here translates there because he goes through the portal and gets in the game. This is what Jesus did. Come on. In order to get us to heaven, Jesus said, I'm going to go down on the earth, and I'm going to put myself on the earth. I'm going to go through this portal. Boom. Born of a woman, born of a virgin. Get on the earth so I can do what I do on the earth. And then Jesus went away. And he says, here you go. You got the keys to the portal. So all of heaven's activity in us, on the earth, through Jesus, through the Spirit, we now have access to heaven. And the Holy Spirit has access to the earth. But he always uses us. He always uses the little Skylanders. Some of them are $6. Some of them are $20. And he sets us and he goes, here you go. Here you go. Get on the earth. Go do the work of the kingdom. Most of us, what we do is we go, I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. I'm saved from all those things. And Jesus is saying, I want to get you off the shelf. I want to get you off the shelf and I want to get you in the game. Let's get you in the game, baby. Come on. You got the keys. Can we get him back in the game? Let's, let's get him on the game. Uh. Let's do this. So in order for heaven to get on the earth, it has to go through a portal. The Holy Spirit, that could be blasphemous, has to use a portal. How does the Lord get on the earth? Through his people. Through his people. People that are full of the Spirit of God. People that are full of the presence of Jesus. See, this is our dream as our church. That we would be an opening. That we would be a gate. That we would be empowering people, transforming the planet with heaven's agenda. A place where people would encounter Jesus in a real, intangible way. How would they encounter? Jesus. By coming through us. We're the portal. We got keys to the portal. Are we the portal or we got keys to the portal? Yes. The answer is yes. See, when Jesus told us to pray this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. It wasn't just a prayer that we were supposed to be praying. It's the model and the mandate of the church to pray this, our Father. It's not my Father who is in heaven. It's our Father. It's collectively the church. Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done. Lord, bring your kingdom. Bring your will on the earth. We are asking this, not your kingdom come. No, 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 no. We, this is why we sing together. This is why we run together because we're the church. We're doing it together. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Release it, Lord. Release it through me. I'll be the one. I got the keys. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, I got the keys. We got some keys, guys. Can y'all bring those keys out? You got the keys. Listen, 
The miracle's in your hand. Go ahead and pass these out. The miracle's in your hand. The miracle's inside of you. We're not just, listen, we got to pray. Can I tell you this today? Listen to me. Can I propose something to you today? That our prayers are not really to move God. Hear me today. Our prayers are not to get God moving. Our prayers are to get us moving. Because we're the ones that have the keys. Jesus already paid the price. We already have the the Holy Spirit inside of us. Listen. Some of you need to get before God. All of us need to get before God and say, God, I, I needed to do something in my life. But most of us just need to get before the Lord and say, God, this is what I believe that you're called me to do. And I'm going to do it. So we, we find the place of prayer as a place of intimacy. It's a place of communion with God. And it's a place of empowerment. It's not a place where we just beg God and say, God, let your kingdom come. Just let it happen. Because he's saying, you got the keys. Hold that key up and say, I got the keys. Now, come on. We're spirit filled now. Let those keys up and say, I got the keys. You got the keys? Now listen, I want you to take that somewhere and you put that somewhere and you you put it somewhere where you can see it every day. We, we did a message similar to this several years ago. So I have it in my car. Every day I get in my car, I got this little key hanging from the rear view mirror and I look at it and I go, I got the keys. I don't feel good today, but I got the key. I'm discouraged today, but I got the keys. My world's falling apart, but I got the keys. You don't need to post another blog about it. You got the keys. Go do something. Go love on somebody. Listen, this life in Christ that we have, and we're closing up, but this life in Christ starts with the question, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say that he is? Do you say that he's the one that robbed you and maybe you're bitter at God because of some loss that you've suffered in your life or because of some sickness that you've suffered? Do you, do you say that's who God is? Who do you say Jesus is? Today, I believe that he's asking you that question. Who do you say that he is? Some of us, were like, I believe that you're the filler of the Holy Spirit, so I'm ready. I'm going. But some of you, you got need in your life. I think the greatest need of humanity is that we all have this thing in our life called sin. Come on. We all screw up. We all blow it. We've all rebelled towards God. And then so what God did, instead of punishing you for your rebellion, is he punished Jesus. Who do you say that he is? I say that he is the Lamb of God who is slain before the foundations of the world to take away the sins of humanity. He is the Savior. So if you're lost today, Jesus is the Savior. 
If you're in your sin today, Jesus is the Savior. Man, I, you don't understand what I've done. I don't have to understand what you've done. I know what Jesus has done. And it's a lot bigger and a lot louder than anything that you've ever done. He took care of the sin. And he accepts you today. And his invitation is this. Who do you say that I am? Will you call me your Savior? If you're sick in your body, who do you say that I am? Is he the healer? If you're in bondage and suffering with addiction, do you believe that he's the liberator? Do you believe that he's the way to freedom? Who do you say I am? See, as the church, our, our primary answer to our broken world will not be the hows and the whys, but it'll be the who. Who do you say that I am? So this life in Christ starts with a question, but the movement, God's movement on the earth starts with a response for us just saying, yes, yes, God, we will be the ones. The movement starts with a response. We are the key holders.